Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. I was having such a great conversation with Kate Benjamin of House Panther, I decided to make this a two-part show. So here's part two of the Community Cats podcast with the very talented designer, Kate Benjamin. Enjoy. At this point in time, I am hoping that you would be willing to take a real deep dive in what your vision is for sheltering in the future. Yes. Well, <laughs> the real the real vision is that there will be no more shelters, right? Because there will be no more homeless pets. But that's the big one. Right. <laughs> we, we all want that. <laughs> so to get there, I think it goes back to this concept for cats specifically. That's what I can speak to is this concept of how are we housing cats in a way that allows their personality to truly shine and allows people to interact with them so that they fall in love. So this open concept shelter room is very in vogue right now. And I don't think it's just a trend. It's because behaviorists are showing that cats are healthier and happier. They're getting adopted quicker when you're in a cage-free environment. I've seen some absolutely beautiful work in shelters with their open concept. I was just at Utah Maine, and they have some gorgeous cat rooms with great climbing structures that are easy to sanitize, made out of laminate and lots of levels and different places for cats to be able to have a space where they can get away, but not be so far away that people coming in to see them can't interact with them. That's what I'm excited to see is how cats are being housed in shelters and the design of those spaces from a standpoint of how people are welcome in and how cats' needs are taken care of, which is the need to interact with other cats, interact with people and have alone time and have a space to eat and a space to use the litter box. And then, like I said, those concepts are coming out and being brought to the cat cafes. People are just ecstatic about this idea. So a new cat cafe just opened recently here in Phoenix, and I helped with the initial design. We're still refining it as we get our building permits to do more more structural things. And they have been sold out. Every event sells out weeks in advance, and they are busy all the time. And they're adopting cats like crazy to wonderful, wonderful homes. How shelters are either doing this in their own facility or they're partnering with an outside business like a cat cafe. So right now, every cat cafe that I know of is partnered with a shelter to provide and care for and adopt out the cats. And that's a great model. And I think it's working very well. So as long as, you know, it's a good partnership and I love what I'm seeing. And the biggest piece of this is that not only does the design of the room at the shelter or the cat cafe make it very functional and usable and enjoyable, but it's a showcase for what people can do when they get home. So that's what I want to see is sort of these spaces not being too industrial or institutional, right? They have to have a little bit of a flair of here's an idea that you could do at home because I want people to be sitting in these spaces as they're falling in love with a cat and say, what is that cat tree? I've never seen that before. I could totally have that in my house. Or they're looking at a catwalk, a really creative catwalk, and they're saying, I could do that. I could do that at home. And then they adopt that cat. They go home. They catify the heck out of their house. And that cat doesn't come back. That cat doesn't get declawed and it doesn't get put outside. This is a chance to inspire and educate that new cat-owning population. 
it's an incredibly exciting time. I really think huge things are happening. And like I said, it's not trendy. This is important work and it's not going away. These cat cafes and open concept shelters are not just something we're trying. It's working and that's here to stay. So I had the privilege to be able to open up one of the first open concept shelters in Massachusetts in 2003. We purchased a ranch house that was open concept living dining room kitchen area. So that was our main room. And then there are a couple of side bedrooms. And I will say that the process was something that was very important for us. We'd come from a caged environment and it was very important for us to create a home-like environment for the cats. You know, a lot of the finishes were wooden finishes in the house. And so, you know, we learned a lot of lessons about being able to sanitize and disinfect those kinds of finishes or replace them, et cetera, et cetera, as would need to be done in any cat cafe environment. So I'm going to wear a little bit of a devil's advocate in this case, saying that one thing we did find out is with that sort of user-centered design is that that environment was great for some cats. It was not great for all cats. There are certain cats that need a different type of environment to be able to show themselves appropriately. And some of those are the semi-ferals. They really had a hard time to show themselves in such a large-scale environment. I mean, it wasn't huge, but yet it was still a big enough space for them to feel like they were getting lost. Yes, absolutely. And I've seen that at a number of shelters and cat cafes that I've worked with. Ideally, then you would have some smaller rooms, which actually um, Utah Humane does as well for specifically those cats. A program then as well of volunteers who are going to work with them and socialize them too, right? Right, to keep them engaged. And we certainly have volunteers that were willing to do that, you know, be engaged with all of the cats that were there in the room. But it's kind of hard when in our environment, they were up on top of the kitchen cabinets. So they're way up finding that high perch where they feel comfortable. So those are the cats where we were kind of like, you know, can you take a chance on me type cat? And those are the types of cats as our cat overpopulation programs do what they're supposed to be doing. Our intake numbers are going way down. We're having a lot more special needs cats come into our facilities. And so the cats that we're going to be showcasing are the ones that do have a list of some issues in their background. So I think that concept of flexibility in our environments is really important. And I think that's been the struggle in sheltering is that we've built a lot of these structures that are not particularly flexible to serve the needs of the cats or the community. There's also, you know, holding rooms for your trapped cats for TNR. Sometimes those are hard to find in a traditional shelter. Thinking in the design realm, I've always wanted to say, how can we make this flexible? How can we flex in the northern states? We have a lot more kittens in the summertime, a lot more intakes in the summertime. So how do we flex our programs, our architecture to flex with our programs? Absolutely. I've actually talked about that same thing on some consulting work that I've done. And in terms of flexibility between having different spaces that could maybe change in size, as well as products in the room that could maybe provide more of a hideaway space if you have cats in the population that are currently needing to be a little bit more away, but then you can open it up and actually use that as a tool to work with them. And one of the first things that I tend to see when I've walked into some cat cafes and some shelters, things are shoved against the wall. The first thing I do is I pull everything away from the wall and get it out to the middle. But 
keeping in mind that still you need to create these safe places where the cats can be and feel safe, but without having them be inaccessible or hidden away in a corner or under something. It's the same thing with ledges that are too high. You just don't want to give them that option of being in those spaces that are too high or too hidden away, but you have to give them that alternative that is acceptable to everybody. And of course, that also helps when it comes to cleaning time as well. You don't want anything that's too high or too hard to reach. So that's an error that I tend to see a lot, creating the hiding spaces and not realizing it. Are you new to the Community Cats podcast? Don't know what to listen to first? Feel free to check out the listening module tab where we have grouped shows together by topic so you can listen to a bunch of shows around the same topic. Just click on the listening module tab at www.communitycatspodcast.com and enjoy learning about community cats. The Community Cats podcast will soon be a year old with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show, but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming. And the other challenging situation in a community space is figuring out who's eating, how much, who's using the litter box. Is there anything that anybody has to worry about on a medical issue? Yeah, very challenging. And I mean, that really does speak to the fact that you're absolutely right. There are certain cats that will thrive in this type of an environment. As long as everybody's aware of that and they're not just leaving those cats, people just have to be very, very aware and paying attention. And then hopefully having a secondary area to put those cats in that aren't doing well in that big area. We actually started doing twice a week weigh-ins. Ah, to be able to get a, you know, a check on all the cats twice a week to make sure that we weren't missing anything from that standpoint. So I get that you are a big fan of cat cafes and I totally am too. I think that they're just fantastic. I've seen a lot of senior housing be located near universities. In your dream world, How do you see cat cafes sort of living within a community? Do you see them located near schools, near universities, near senior housing, anywhere and everywhere? I mean, do you have a grand vision of what this would look like 10 years down the road? Yeah, absolutely. I love the idea of being near senior housing and using the community as a resource. La Guitarra is the cat cafe here in Tempe, Arizona, and it is right next to the Arizona State Campus. And that has been a wonderful thing because that connection to the students and the whole campus population is really starting to define the community around this particular cat cafe. So I think that they could pop up anywhere, but this idea of giving it a little thought about connection to the community and underserved communities, especially like senior housing, and then bringing them in with programming is a really important thing to do as well, inviting them. And one of the fears that you have with cat cafes is that, oh, everybody's going to go when it first opens and then they're never going to go again. But I don't think that most cat cafes are finding that, which is really wonderful because that means that they are speaking to a very specific need that people are looking for. And there's a constant new population of people looking to adopt cats or spend time with them. And I think that that just, again, goes back to this idea of having it be 
a showcase for what's new. What are we learning about cat behavior, about design for cats, all these things. There can just be a constant influx of new information to share with these people that are coming in. Do you have any sense or knowledge of how the adoption rates are out of the current cat cafes that have been up and running for a while? I don't know overall numbers. In general, everything I've heard has been very positive. So on the high side, I know that the new cat cafe here in Arizona has already adopted 14 or 15 in just this month that they've been really open and doing events. Also, selective adoptions as well. So people have to be well screened. And just in general, I've heard that it has been very positive. Again, quality adoptions. So they're not coming back because they have had a chance to really spend the time with the cat and then hopefully get that education piece too. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really interested to follow this development and see how cat cafes develop as well as other options and, and alternatives. Actually, it's pretty interesting to see how the architecture of the shelter is going to be changing as our intake numbers do go down. How does the footprint of the actual shelter change? If you were advising a small shelter or a rescue that has a small adoption facility, what sort of key advice would you give them, you know, in thinking about their sheltering environment? I know you mentioned a couple of tips, but I thought you might be able to expand on some of those points. Well, I definitely do. Like we mentioned, I like this idea of flexibility in the physical environment so that you can accommodate different types of cats in the population, some that are more fractious, some that are more social, and that ability to customize the physical environment to those needs easily, of course, within all those other constraints of being sanitizable and durable and looking good. But I also would really like to encourage shelters to do more programming around this idea of environmental design, really getting people excited about it or giving them the resources, doing little DIY workshops, things like that, where you come and learn how to use a glue gun for the first time, maybe if you've never used one before. And what can you make with that? It's certainly all over the internet now. There's just tons of great DIY ideas. And so let's do it in person and let's customize it to your cat because that's what we're talking about is teaching people how to be the designer, right? A designer has to understand their user. And so they have to do that observation and really get excited about it. And that's what I'm seeing in a lot of people adopting cats, certainly at the cat cafe here. They're just, they're so excited about that cat and they can really speak intelligently about like, this seems to be her preference and she likes to scratch like this. And this is what we're going to do when we get home. And that is such a huge shift in thinking. And I know that shelters have always had those education pieces on declawing and vet care and all of those things, but even more of a focus on the environmental piece. I'd love to see that. Well, and having these programs that are reaching out into the community and really engaging with people that aren't even adopters, but yet it's really helping the cats stay in homes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a, a main objective for all of us, which is keeping those cats in homes and happy and healthy and all of that. And the more we can do to encourage that, the better off you know we are. If people are interested in finding out more about your blog, about your website, how would they do that? Just visit housepanther.com and I'm constantly posting new finds, design finds, interesting things about environmental and product design for cats and anything that 
has to do with improving the lives of cats and the people who love them. We have a daily email newsletter that you can sign up for daily or weekly updates that sort of give you everything, including any special deals and things that I can find from my favorite companies. I also have a new line of cat products that I have designed and are being manufactured by a company called Primetime Pets. And those will be coming out nationwide. There are several perches that are already out there and there are several new things coming out this year. And I'm just having a great time with that. And so I always make sure to post that on House Panther as well as everything else. If you have something that you found that I've never written about, please email me, let me know. And if anybody does a really cool project in their home. If you build some cat shelves or a window perch or something, I'd love to see it. That's a big piece of this is sharing. If we can all share our ideas and be a community and support each other, we're going to make an even bigger difference. Just get out there. And if you hear anybody ever say, oh, there's nothing cool for cats. Well, then please correct them (laughs) and send them to House Panther and show them the light. (laughs) That's great. Anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? My cats are my children and I love them more than anything. (laughs) And that's how I got to where I am today. And so I always encourage people, I had a very unconventional route to doing what I do. And you look for your skills. What do you do? It may have nothing to do with cats, but you may be able to put them together in such a way that really makes a difference in cats' lives. And that's if we all do that, we will all be getting one step closer. Kate, that's great. I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on in the future. Thank you. I'd love to. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 